about Good Friday. Um, isn't it amazing the conversations you have with people uh, during the week? Like uh, at the men's shed, we don't talk about two things strongly. We don't talk about politics. We don't talk about religion. You can have conversations, but not to push... I don't preach fire and brimstone at the uh, men's shed yet. But um, it's interesting what people take notice of. As we were saying goodbye and everybody was saying have a good Easter and all that sort of stuff, one guy who knows what I do, who knows who I am, who knows what I believe, he went out the door singing Merry Christmas. <laughs> and I knew he did it just to get at me. Because earlier on that day, he asked me this question, what's so good about Good Friday? And so this morning I want us to think about Good Friday, really? Is it good? Is it good? What does that mean? Why is it called Good Friday? So I'm going to let the scriptures speak for themselves. If you have your Bibles there, then uh, turn to Matthew chapter 27. And this is a familiar passage, I'm sure. We're just going to read through it in a moment. just want to welcome everybody that's on Zoom. I uh, trust that everything's coming through clear and, and uh, well. And we're glad that you can join us today. Let's pray. Dear Father, you've drawn us to this place. There are many other options we could have for today, for this weekend, but, but our desire and your desire for us is to honour you, to meet with you, to hear from you, to be empowered by you, to serve you. So, Lord, you've drawn us to this place and we know that there is power in your word alone, just the, the words that you've uh, caused men to write so that you might speak your will and your way to us. We know that there's power in that today. So speak to us through it, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 27, and uh, it reads this. So hopefully you can see that. Yes, okay. Uh, we're having some inter- interesting times with people on Zoom because they don't get the coloured backgrounds as much. So uh, hopefully they've got their Bibles out and they're reading their Bibles uh, as well. And this is what uh, Matthew records for us um, at the time of the crucifixion of Christ. On their way out of the city, they met a man from Cyrene. His name was Simon. They forced him to carry the cross. This is from verse 32, verse 33. They came to a place called Golgotha. The word Golgotha means the place of the skull. There they mixed wine with bitter spices and gave it to Jesus to drink. After tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had nailed him to the cross, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. They sat down and kept watch over him there. Above his head they placed the written charge against him. It read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two robbers were crucified with him. One was on his right and one was on his left. Those who passed by shouted at Jesus and made fun of him. They shook their heads and said, So, you are going to destroy the temple and build it again in three days. Then save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way the chief priests The teachers of the law and the elders made fun of him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross. Then we will believe him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. He's the one who said, I am the son of God. Verse 44, in the same way, the robbers who were being crucified with Jesus also made fun of him. From from noon until three o'clock, the whole land was covered with darkness. About three o'clock, Jesus cried out in a loud voice. He said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. 
This means, my God, my God, why have you deserted me? Some of those standing there heard Jesus cry out. They said, he's calling for Elijah. Right away, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar and put it on a stick. He offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. After Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, he died. At that moment, the temple curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split. Tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. Doesn't that send some shivers up the back of your spine? They came out of the tombs. After Jesus was raised to life, they went into the holy city. There they appeared to many people. The Roman commander and those guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened. They were terrified. They exclaimed, he was surely the son of God. Not very far away. Many women were watching. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to take care of his needs. So Mary Magdalene, uh, Mary Magdalene was among them. Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, was also there. So was the mother of Zebedee's sons. A familiar passage, I'm sure. We've probably read it many times. Or perhaps today is the first time you've heard that read. Then God's got a message for you from it. Now, sometimes in the past when I've preached on Good Friday, I've taken the... Um, chance of talking about the gory nature of crucifixion. Not going to do that today. But let me say that at the crucifixion of Christ there was lots of blood. There was lots of pain, there was lots of suffering and there was a body at the centre of it who is the body of our Christian faith, at the centre of our Christian faith. That's not good, is it? How can you call that good on Good Friday? Like I said, I've had those conversations with people. But one guy said to me, well, why do you call it Good Friday? And um, all my theological education came into background and I said, well, that's a good question. I don't know. I'll find out for you and I'll come back to you. And so um, I had opinions, but I wanted to make sure that I came. This was last week he asked me this. And so I went back to him and said, what happened on the day was not good, but the results of the day were great. And he, we got into a conversation about that, which is really good, really good. I, uh, someone else has, has said this, I heard that you Christians sometimes do things around the opposite way to the rest of us. But this Easter thing, do you believe the ruler of the universe, your leader, your king, your greatest helper and hope, the one you claim to be the saviour of the world, died this day in history and you say it's Good Friday? And the answer is yes. He's all that. And yes, what he accomplished that day is good. So I believe there's three reasons why we can call Friday Good Friday at this time of the year. Firstly, there was no ordinary man involved. He was totally man and totally God, but he wasn't an ordinary man. His death was no ordinary death. Yes, it was painful. Yes, he suffered. Yes, uh, the friends and family around about him uh, suffered as well. But his death was no ordinary death. And certainly there was no ordinary outcome. There was no ordinary consequences from his death. And many of us have had loved ones that have passed away. And we, we, we have that grief. We have, sometimes we suffer with them. But we know that time comes to an end. We will always have those great memories. We will always uh, think fondly of them and love them. 
but it's finished, it's, it's ended. There's no ongoing relationship with that person other than in our minds and our hearts. It was different for Jesus. So we're just going to investigate those three reasons why if anybody asks you, why is it Good Friday? Then you can say, it wasn't an ordinary man, it wasn't an ordinary death and the results were no ordinary results. How's that to remember? How's that for a response? So uh, I'm going to go back and talk to that guy and say, this is why it's Good Friday. He wasn't an ordinary man. And most of us agree with that. Do you know why he wasn't ordinary? Because his death wasn't ordinary. He did, when he, when he um, was on that cross and he cried out, Matthew doesn't record it, one of the other Gospels records it. He said that one of the things that he said from the cross when he was um, covered in blood, when he was suffering pain, when he was hanging there, hard to breathe, he cried out and he says, what did he say? Here's a pop question. What was one of the things that Jesus said on the cross? We'll get to that. That's another one. Yes, yeah, he, 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 he committed John to caring for his mother and that's the thing. What else? This is this a pop question? Absolutely. Why would you say it was finished if, if there was nothing to come? If it was a failure for him hanging on the cross? Why would you say it is finished? What he was saying was, it's complete. All that the Father has sent me to do, I have accomplished it. That's why Good Friday is Good Friday because he is obedient to the Father to death. He was obedient to, Father, to the Father because he died for us. For the whole world, in fact, all those years ago. He was no ordinary man because he completely obeyed the Father. He was no ordinary man because he never sinned. He had no regrets he had no things that were burdening him down, worries from the past. But he did cry out in pain and I believe there was a, a dual pain there, there was that physical pain. But when the father didn't, took his eyes off him, there was that, that spiritual pain. If you like, there was that cosmic pain, there was that supernatural pain where his father didn't look on him anymore because he carried the sin of the world. He was no ordinary man, no ordinary man could have done that. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a temporary thing. It wasn't a fleeting thing. It was, it was forever. What Jesus accomplished then is for now and forever. And he wasn't just an ordinary man with a lowercase m. He was the son of man with a capital M. He was God's man. He was God sacrificing his life for us. We... Uh, we enjoyed the Passover meal last night with I think there was 30 or so people up in the hall. It was a great uh, understanding of where uh, Jesus implemented the uh, cup and the bread that we use in the communion time. It was a great fun time as well. But we were reminded there that in the Old Testament, in the, in the days of the tabernacle, uh, the people of God remembered the Passover, remembered when God brought them out of Egypt, out of slavery in Egypt, ultimately into freedom, into the promised land. They had to take the blood of lambs and put it on lintels and doorposts. So when they were in Egypt, the angel of death would pass over and the firstborn of every family of, those, uh, of houses that didn't have the blood on the, on the doorposts would perish, would die. Jesus is our sacrificial lamb. Jesus has fulfilled the role of a sacrificial lamb for the world. Whether people believe in him or not, he did it for the world, for God's creation. We are fortunate in that we've accepted what he's done for us 
And we believe it wholeheartedly. And we, get, we reap the benefits of that, which is hope, uh, purpose for now and hope for eternity. But there are many people in our world that don't believe that, haven't understood that. What a, what a challenge for us to share with them the hope that we have on Good Friday for eternal life. Since then, every person who has believed in, in him through faith have come under his protective banner, as it were, uh, been reconciled to God, discovered peace with God, hope with God because of the cross. So, he was no ordinary man. He was no ordinary man. In fact, the Roman governor, um, Pilate, put this sign over his head. This is the king of the Jews. They were trying to grapple with, I, I believe he was trying to grapple with, how do we define this person? What do we say about him? So he put the king of the Jews over his head. They had the power to execute him. They had the power, the power to end his life. But they really had no idea what they were doing. And what did Jesus say to them earlier on? He said, my kingdom is not of this world. All you are able to do is by permission from my, the Father, from my Father in heaven. So what they were doing was really just what God's will wanted to happen. What about those who were there, who were beneath him, those at the foot of the cross? What did they see? They didn't see an ordinary man that day either. They saw someone who, in his dying, was extraordinary. When he was nailed on that cross, they stood in awe. How do you mix grief with awe? It's an interesting mixture, isn't it? I don't know that I've ever been there. But that's what they felt today, that day. Some comments came up from that crowd. Those that were not believers. What did the, what did the Roman centurion say? He said, truly or surely this was the Son of God. There was something about how he died that affected people. One crucified beside him said, this man has done nothing wrong. Others in the crowd said, certainly this was a righteous man. While others who were his critics and his enemies, they, they prayed, they, they, they challenged him, they, they challenged him, if you were really God, come down from the cross. Do you know what Jesus did? He prayed for them. He said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Even in the midst of his dying, he showed God's grace towards them. So he was no ordinary man. That's why it's Good Friday. Secondly, his death was no ordinary death because Christ died for us as a sin bearer. We know this is not, this is not new information, is it? He gladly took the fall for us. He gladly bore in his body our sin, the sin of the whole world. Just like that sacrificial lamb in the Old Testament days provided a way for them to escape the death that was happening around about them, so too Christ has provided that for us. He became the sin offering for us so that God would be satisfied that, that sinful mankind would be acceptable to God through what Christ has done. This work was completed. It was paid for in his blood. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, the Bible tells us, cleanses us from all sin. His was no ordinary death. No ordinary man, no ordinary death and certainly no ordinary outcome. Colossians chapter um, 
3, 2 rather, verses 13 and 14 says this. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. Paul writes that to remind us that we, because of our sin, we were on serious charges before God. And those charges resulted in eternal death. But Christ took that away. He took it away by being nailed to the cross. He paid that penalty of our disobedience, of our evil deeds, of our willful uh, sinning against him. He paid for that on the cross. He dealt with it completely and forever. His death for our death. His life for our life. That's amazing, isn't it? Is that a reason why we should call Good Friday Good Friday? The outcomes, the results, I believe it is. Is that what Good Friday means to you? I hope it is. Do you understand in your soul that he went up there on the cross deliberately because of his sacrificial love for you? I hope you do. He died, but as we sung this morning, he lives again. He rose again. And that's what the Resurrection Sunday is all about. I mean, we believe that all the time, not just at Easter, but we celebrate it at Easter because that's a reminder to us of the purpose that we have today, of the hope that we have forever. There are some people in our world who will say these sorts of things. Um, often I get into discussions and, and I'll say to them, look, I, I, I'm a person of faith. Uh, I believe in Jesus. And they, said, they often come back to me and say, well, yes, I'm, a, I'm religious or I'm, I'm spiritual and, and more or less I believe that Jesus was a great teacher. Have you heard that one? Yeah, I have. But if I say, if I say the one who hung on the cross was just a good man, yes, was just a good teacher, I'm leaving out half the story. I'm not telling them that his death was a good death in inverted commas. The results of his death were a good result. C.S. Lewis, and I I love reading C.S. Lewis, he's written um, a book called Mere Christianity. I think you could nearly call it a Christian classic now. And he wrote this about that very statement that people make when they say, oh, Jesus was merely a good good man or a good teacher. He wrote this, his words from C.S. Lewis's book. I am trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, that's Jesus Christ. This is what they say. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. Have you heard that? I've heard that. That is the one thing we must not say, C.S. Lewis writes. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he is a poached egg I like C.S. Lewis' writing, or else he would be the devil of hell. He'd be a liar. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something else. You can shut him up for, for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. Who's with me on that last one? Absolutely but let's not come up with any patronising nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He, was not, he has not left that option open to us. He, never, he did not intend to. He is Lord of all 
He's our Lord. And I trust that He's your Lord today. And I trust that Good Friday has some good meanings for you. You It was sad, it was painful, it was terrible. But because He was no ordinary man, because His death was no ordinary death, the results of His death were no ordinary results. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that today we can come and worship you. We can come and remember these verses from John's Gospel where it says, He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or husband's will, but born of God. And so, Father, we, as your children, worship you today. We recognise with the, with the angels in heaven when they sang out these words, Worthy are you, our, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things. And through Jesus Christ, dear Father, you created a whole new society of believers not known, uh, that we are now known as the church. So we trust you, dear Father. We live for you, we seek after you, we worship you in spirit and truth, we rejoice together in the unity of the Spirit. Thank you, Lord God, thank you, Father, that we can call this day Good Friday because of our extraordinary Saviour who did his extraordinary work of dying in his innocence on the cross in our place. Thank you that that result 2,000 years or so later is through to the ends of the earth and we can worship and serve you together wherever we live here in Atherton. We pray that your name be glorified. You receive all glory and honour now and forever. Amen. Amen. If God's spoken to your heart and challenged you on something this morning, and you'd like to talk further, or if you've got some questions for me, please grab me after this. I know we've got a goal to be up at Keswick uh, to be there for morning tea because there's no morning tea here. Um, uh, and we don't want people to rush because we've got music, people on the musical team uh, and, and the speaker. <laughs> uh, so uh, please grab me and chat with me or, or ask questions. Thank you to Bob and the team. We'll ask you to come and close out the service.